and welcome back to another episode of Lost and Down. We are your hosts. I am Stephen Weed. He is Wally Lukashevsky. As you noticed, we have yet a third fat, ugly dude joining the podcast. We have Mr. David Klaiba making the inaugural episode. Before I talk to them, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. I'm going to toss it to David here. Welcome back. We loved having you on our uh, little QB carousel, enough to bring you back for some more. We want seconds, thirds, maybe even fourths, David. How the hell are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm thankful you guys are continue to welcome me back here. It is a new day. It is a new day in loss of down right here. This has been something that Steve and I have been working behind the scenes trying to talk about potentially bringing a third or a fourth on for months now and it just eventually it just became apparent that david was that third person for us it just it it was a natural fit first of all we have three different teams represented now it and plus not to mention we talk about cleveland all the time we have a cleveland browns fan so this is it felt like a a match made in heaven so i couldn't be happier to have david on permanently for now at least (laughs) <laughs> this is a hell of a season to have the Browns fan kind of come in here. A lot of turmoil. We'll we'll eventually get to that throughout the next few weeks. But I need to ask a question. It's been a crazy week since the last time we got together, but this weekend has been hilarious. Twitter has been on fire. For you guys, what story did you want more of? This Hunter Biden shit or Zach Wilson getting after his mom's friends? I'm I'm on the Zach Wilson train. I'm that whole Colin Coward clip where he was his first thought was wondering how hot the mom was. That's where I was at. <laughs> like I wanted yeah. some some research. I wanted some investment. You know, I think imagine uh, Zach Wilson. He probably thought the whole world was going to come down on him. Meanwhile, he's got the whole internet backing him up and gassing him up. <laughs> not too many people can get away with cheating and not only come out of it okay we came out with everybody doing that she's got that dog in him he's got that (laughs) dog in him right now it's i'm glad you asked that because we are gonna come into that a little later but that story was the perfect thing you could have mid-july when everything is dead you're bored out of your mind i'm a baseball fan but you can only take so much baseball and then zach wilson sleeping with 40 year old milfs from mormon capital of the world he became a legend overnight. So all of a sudden, it makes me look better about our quarterback question to end last week because he's, of course, going to have the best second year now. So, A, I hate watching people live my dreams. I think that we can all agree on that. But, B, why? I want to ask you this question because I know we've had the conversation in the past that who you know who's in a lot of pressure this year, Zach Wilson, maybe Jalen Hurts. Does this buy Zach Wilson at least another season for the New York Jets? Well, I mean, you're seeing guys like Braxton Berrios, Makai Becton tweeting out, that's my quarterback. At the very least, it didn't hurt him in that locker room. That's the very least you can say. I think he became a legend. If Even if he never plays another down for the for the New York Jets, let alone any other team, he, he's going to go down in history like that uh, Mark Sanchez butt fumble. The amount of memes that came out of the Zach Wilson news. Like every time I logged on to Twitter, there were like four new memes that actually make me made me laugh out loud. Well, and how many times do you see a meme get beat to death where you're tired of it the second day? Like the Will Smith slap, I was tired of it overnight. This 
I almost want it to keep going on. I'm loving this right now. And people are coming out with the perfect clips and stuff for it. We need a clip of that butt fumble going on because this finally, Joe Namath, Zach Wilson, I'm sure, in the New York Jets fan base here. Before we get going any farther, I do have a hypothetical because that's turning into a oh, thing. God. No, David, I at least know, knows of this. Hunter Renfro tweeted, I want to say about a week, week and a half ago, and it got me thinking. It was Usain Bolt, Joey Chestnut. They're in a race, right? It's a 100-meter dash. Sounds like an easy, obvious winner. But the stipulation is they both have to finish a hot dog in full before they can start running. Who wins this race? That one is – that's tough. That is a great, great question. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with Usain Bolt. I haven't seen his hot dog eating skills. We know what Joey Chestnut is. And we saw how quick his reaction was to get off that protester on the 4th of July competition that they had here. I'm still going to go with Usain Bolt. I, I don't think so. So, and here's why, here's why that is, that makes a lot of sense until you break down how hard it is to eat a hot dog quickly, legitimately. Like I think Joey Chestnut scarfs down a hot dog in like five seconds or eight seconds or something like that. Like if you break down, his uh competitions and let's say joey chestnut runs you know walks a 100 meter dash he's doing it in probably 20 seconds at the slowest and so 25 seconds total let's say that that he's running that 100 meter dash the average person probably eats a hot dog in 30 seconds like even if they're trying to scarf it down if you're not a professional eater let's say usain bolt does it in 20 seconds he's got five seconds to run a hundred meter dash and his world record time is like sub 10 barely. I just yep. like, I don't, he'd have to eat a hot dog in, in 10 seconds to make it a legitimate Usain Bolt win. Now, what kind of hot dog is it though? Wally? It's is, Nathan's. It, is, it, is it the hot dog that you get at the turn at yeah, the golf it's course? It's gotta be Nathan's. Easy? Like a, this is a okay. thick dog. The other now, thing you gotta think about is like Usain Bolt is in like, let's say he's in tip top shape. A hot dog and then running is probably going to cramp them up. Like, let's be real about it. When you're <laughs> when you're an Olympic yeah. sprinter, you're not eating before a race. That's that's a real concern. Yeah, but like this is the other thing, and I didn't think about this until after we saw the competition. Joey Chestnut's on uh, on crutches right now. Could he get there on crutches after throwing a hot dog? That's what I want to see: is them crossing the line with Joey Chestnut on crutches or poking this crutch out in front yeah, to yeah. beat Usain Bolt at the end. But I think it's I think it's close. But do you think the difference of Usain Bolt being able to you know, make up his speed, was Joey going to have enough time or enough space to eat the hot dog and get a head start for Usain Bolt? Like you said, it's like 9.88 or something that he ran in or like 9.98. Is that going to be – I don't know. If, if it's all about how fast Usain Bolt – scarfs down a hot dog and i just don't know like if we're doing it based on an average person eating like a non-professional eater i just don't think that's fast enough we need that's what we need we need to see usain bolt down a dog now so we can put this to bed that's all we need I'm not agree. asking for a lot no you're no you never are and i think i think that is just enough to be asking for wally so i love that question i still would pay 10 million dollars to get my leg amputated and I would still eat the hot dog faster and beat Joey Chestnut in a race if that was the case. I'm just saying. I think that I can get that done. Well, we're three big guys here. So if 
it'd probably be more likely the three of us have, although I don't know that. Maybe if he's on crutches, we have a shot. But that's the only chance we have. For gambling men, I, that is a risk I am willing to take. Now, we finally have some NFL news. I know David is excited to talk about this. His guy. But before we get into that, we want you guys to know that this week's NFL news is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency, specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're David Wally and I's age where it's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, it's happening every weekend. Uh, my friend actually just got engaged two hours ago, so that's right on par for that. But feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Now, going into the NFL news, Baker Mayfield is finally out of Cleveland, Cleveland, headed back to my hometown where he lands with the Carolina Panthers just for a fifth-round draft pick. Now, the Browns are eating about 10 mil of that salary. Carolina's paying only about 5 mil of that salary. And now everyone, the only question people want the answer to is, how's Robbie Anderson doing over there? David, how do you feel as the resident Browns fan? Baker's gone. We know your feelings towards him. But how you doing, man? Do you want me? I can, I can door dash you some tissues if you need be. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sad to see Baker go, but the writing was on the wall when we got Deshaun Watson. I'm just happy he's in a place where he can – well, he's likely going to start and and hopefully too well. Um, I think the Panthers got a robbery of a century because of the position the Browns put them in. If this was a trade last summer, Baker would have probably demanded three first round picks in return. Um, heck, if this was a trade where that happened when we weren't coming out of a, a year where four bad teams were still riding you know, a, a rookie quarterback into that second year. I, I think this trade also looks different, but, you know, I'm just happy to see that Baker is uh, out of Cleveland and, and able to start fresh somewhere else. I was so frustrated with the way Cleveland handled the whole situation. And then to post that disingenuous, we're so happy for everything that you did for us, Baker message. It didn't fool anybody. It was completely inauthentic after everything that's come out of the organization in the last six months it pissed me off. And I, I mean, it, the only thing that I can say, and I know you're a Browns fan, I'm not rooting against you per se, but I'm really hoping that Baker sticks it to the Browns in week one. I think it's like the perfect ending to this story. And there, the way he is, he's typically is that guy that almost wants there to be something against him in a game. This is about as big as that against you feeling is going to be. I think he's going to play well. And I, at least I'm hoping for his sake. I, I, I know I'm a pro Baker guy, but I really do hope he finds success in Carolina. Well, I think, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, Steven. I, I think in there. he's either going to dominate against us or he's going to get read out of the century by our defense who has watched him for the last two years, three years, and potentially have a bad game. But, like, it all depends on – you know, the Carolina coaching staff, it all depends on a lot of different things, but it's it's not going to be a middle middle of the road game. He's either going to play amazing or he's going to play awful. And we know how Carolina started last year. They're one of those 3-0 teams that faded very, very quickly. So they could – and holy shit, they know for a fact Christian McCaffrey is actually going to be on the field for him for at least one game. That's the, that's the one that they're going to get Christian McCaffrey. But 
You're going to tell me that this Browns defense isn't hungry as hell to get after Baker Mayfield, especially if he was rubbing, you know, some of those players the wrong way during this offseason and how it was going. But kudos to Carolina. Now you have the first and the third overall pick from the 20, what, 2018 draft. They're going to do a little bit of a quarterback competition. But Baker is an obvious upgrade. But he has 12 more wins than Sam Darnold. He's got 60, you know, 61, above 61% completion percentage where Darnold's floating under that a little bit. 4,000 more yards, damn near twice as many touchdowns, and four more picks than Sam Darnold. But I know Cleveland's got some stats, so I don't want to give away too, too many numbers uh, on here. But it's an obvious upgrade for Carolina, an obvious downgrade for the team that Baker Mayfield's playing for. It's going to be a worse O-line. I don't know how the weapons are stacking up. I like the weapons more in Cleveland, not that he was using all of them to their full advantage. And obviously Cleveland's defense is way better. So I'm very interested to see how he goes, but he's not in that division of an AFC North. He goes from the AFC North to the NFC South, that it's Tom Brady, and then a toss-up from there. Before we get to David, you had those quarterback blind stats you want to give Steven and I. The reason that sparked it is because I find a lot of similarities, not necessarily between their styles of play, but the situations they found themselves in to Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell is a guy similar to Baker, had different head coaches, different offensive coordinators pretty much every single year when they were actually developing this guy. And when they finally got a little bit of stability, you saw the growth. You saw the team succeed. Jason Campbell's a guy a lot of us, I think, think in the back of our minds now is kind of a backup quality quarterback. When he was at his best, his last year in Washington, his couple of years in Oakland, he was a guy that was taking these teams to playoff level competition. And that's who Baker can be too. He's a guy that, yeah, he is not a top 10 quarterback, but he's a guy that's more than good enough to get your team in a position to make playoffs and to win games in the playoffs. So <laughs> I just feel bad for Baker. I feel bad for Jason Campbell. I feel bad for these kind of players that, never seem to get a fair shake when you look at everything. And and that's a great point to, to lead into this QB reveal I want to do. But the amount of coordinators and coaches you have to go through, like players, top five quarterbacks that young don't go through that instability. They don't. None of them do. Like it's it's kind of insane he, he kept his head above water and was actually very good most games, not all games, he, he looked awful in some games. And I'm, and that's, I'm, I'm discounting last year because he was injured, but Christmas even Day, the maybe. season that he went off, he had bad games, but it's a, like, that's fine. But you have, you cannot discount the inconsistency of the front office in Cleveland uh, because nobody for 20 years, nobody even looked a 10th as good as he did in that, in, in this entire program on this team. Hey, don't disrespect Brian Hoyer like that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hoyer, who came from the Patriots, where he had stability and knew what to do before he got there. Um, he's, been, he's been back there like three times since then, too. They've been playing phone tag. Yeah. Okay, so so this blind QB reel, and this, this all comes from me just looking up. Uh, this stems from me really thinking about, okay, first four years, ignoring everything. What, you know – Baker's overall statistics, and I wasn't going to include QB wins, but I'm going to, even though it's a team stat, not a quarterback stat, because there's one QB on here who is shocking when you look at how many wins he had in the first four years, and you're going to be shocked 
compared to the other two I have. But I'm going to start off. I'm going to tell you all of the Baker Mayfield stats I'm looking at. And then I'm going to go one, two, three, three blind QBs and tell you their stats. And I'm going to let you guess one by one. And I'll tell you at the end, or I'll tell you after each one, which one it is. So Baker Mayfield stats, four years in the NFL, passing yards, 14,125, touchdowns, 92, interceptions, 56, QB rating, an average of 87.8, and completion percentage, an average of 62%. Total wins, 29. That's Baker Mayfield. First QB, who didn't even play as a rookie, so these are his first four years as a starter, which is inclu- obviously includes his fifth year. Passing yards, 14,825. Touchdowns, 108. Interceptions, 66. QB rating, 86.9. Completions percentage, 63%. And QB wins, 37. I'm going to make say- it even easier. All of these QBs played between, have played since. 2000. Oh, okay. So this can dip back even a little bit. This is, this is like modern era and slightly before modern era uh, of throwing. God. All right. Um, 63%. God, I know this isn't it, but I know at some point we're going to have to get a Jimmy Garoppolo comparison in here. Not it. Yeah. Cause he say so he didn't play until like his fifth year. Really? When well, I just um, figured the Super Bowl runs, you get those quarterback wins. That's what I was kind of focused on. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm going to throw, I'm just going to throw Big Ben. I don't know why that name stuck out to me. Is that even close? Kind of. You're, he's a future Hall of Famer, and this QB is a Hall of Famer, and it's Brett Favre. Wow. Uh, Savior. Big Falcons so, guy. So Brett Favre, who is a, who ended his career leading every statistical category as a quarterback, started a little better in terms of uh, throwing touchdowns and wins, but you get the stability of the Packers. That'll, that'll do that for you, but similar passing yards, more interceptions for Brett Favre, lower rating equivalent completion percentage. I, I just like, you look at that and then you look at, okay, as the team got better. And as he grew, he got exponentially better after year five, technically as his fourth year as a starter. You know, the thing I love that you brought out Brett Favre in this, and I probably should have been thinking on that same line, is that, first of all, the comparisons before, between Baker and Brett Favre yes. go back all the way to draft day and before. They're very similar style quarterbacks. I'm not saying necessarily they're going to be the same level all the time, but they're the gunslingers. They're gonna, you're going to live and die with these guys throwing the ball downfield. They're going to be the games that you have the Brett Favre. Remember him getting picked off five times in Cincinnati and they lose by like 10 about 15 years ago. And it was like, oh my God, is Brett Favre broken? Next week he goes out and it's like five touchdowns, one interception. That's what right. you get with these guys. So I actually like that uh, comp a lot. Hey, don't, right. don't forget what the remake that uh, of the draft day picture that Baker made from when Brett Favre got drafted way back when. So that was awesome. But the same thing, I like the comparison of Brett Favre as well, because that's someone I've always compared him to. Obviously, there's a lot of other years and levels he needs to get before he can fully get to that uh, comparison. But just like just like what Brett had, Baker had that defense to always kind of bail him out as well. So that always got them right back on the field to to redo what, you know, do his, redo his wrong, essentially. But that's a good one. Brett Favier, big, big Falcons fan over here. 
Yeah, I, I to your guys' point, I love the compa- comparison. It's probably his biggest comparison, just as a gunslinger. But it just made sense to bring him in, and and I, you know, he wasn't even the first quarterback I thought of. But then when I started thinking about style of play, I thought of him, and then I looked at his stats, and I was like, those are pretty similar. Like that's there's a lot of room for growth here. But um, all right, QB two. Again, didn't start as a rookie. So my these are the first four years as a starter. Passing yards, 12,127. Touchdowns, 79. Interceptions, 53. QB rating, 84.6. Completion percentage, 62%. Wins, 30. Carson Palmer. Nope. Not even close. Not even remotely close. Oh, so now we're getting into the common or closer to now times. All right, I got to be better than that. He said he's a current Hall of Famer. No, is that what you, is that what you said, David? He's a current Hall of Famer as well, or he's going to be? Wait, if, if you said Hall of Famer, then I totally retract what I'm I said. I'm not. This guy, I didn't say anything. Okay, I was going to say, I'm an idiot. All right, good. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I'm, well, yeah, I'm just saying. I didn't say anything about this quarterback being a Hall of Famer. I, I referenced only Brett Favre in that. Tony Romo. No, but I should have done him. That's an interesting one. I, for some reason, that was the first thing that clicked. I'm like, I'm going to ride or die with this dude for – I thought it was going to be hot, but all right. I'll no, go. that's I like that. I'm going to go look it up after this podcast and see if <laughs> what, what his stats are because that's interesting. I didn't even think of Romo. Um, no, Drew Brees. Oh, Drew Brees, wow. who again retired, leading the NFL in all statistical categories when he was retired, started slower than Baker Mayfield in four years. Oh, and by the way, in year five, Drew Brees had a torn shoulder and was given up on. And he got his shoulder fixed, went to New Orleans, and suddenly became a top five quarterback in the NFL for 15 plus years. So happened one time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna do the third quarterback, but the theme here is is the first four years, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of QBs that I looked up that are pretty similar or worse than Baker that ended up taking off or not being in the NFL anymore. So with that, before I get too far into it, QB three, this is, this is the really shocking one. This is one is going to drop Wally's pants off and, and he's going to be angry that I brought this. Damn it, is it Derek Carr already? I'm already guessing Derek Carr. <laughs> so, so without, without giving it away yards, 14,238 touchdowns, 95 interceptions 46 rating 87.9 completion percentage percentage uh 60.8 wins 43 well i know it's not Derek carr now (laughs) (laughs) all right um is can you give us is this going to be another guy that's played further in the past or is this closer to closer to closer to now okay uh, how about Alex Smith? Nope. It's not my boy Aaron Rodgers, is it? No. Although that's a good guess for the wins. But he would have fewer interceptions, I think. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Well, he was that well, was his, I imagine he like took off and was consistently like single digits. Well, the completion percentage is the thing that stuck out to me on this. It's the first one that you're getting closer to that nowadays 60% is like doom and gloom like you're the worst quarterback in the league kind of yep. stuff now we're getting to the high 60s I, I have no idea 
Matt Ryan. Let's go. I don't like Matt Ryan. This is I know you don't like Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan had 40. Matt Ryan's first four years of the league, they they went like 11 and five, nine and seven, 13 and three, 11 and five. Like wins are not a QB stat if you don't like Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's great. I think he's borderline Hall of Fame, depending on what you're judging to get into the Hall of Fame. But again, another guy who has pretty similar statistics to Baker Mayfield. And if I was a betting man, I'd say Baker Mayfield had a career closer to Matt Ryan's than the other two guys, obviously, because, you know, the other two guys are top 10 all time guys. But I guess I like every every time I look at these stats, I'm just kind of shocked because, again, first four years in the NFL. He's got a lot of growth. He's got a lot of growth still to, to go before he's he's really good if he were to be really good. But I'm kind of looking at this Panthers year and maybe year six as is he a guy who could potentially get to Matt Ryan territory or is he a guy that's maybe kind of like Jason Campbell will or even Ryan Fitzpatrick will always be a starter, but never really the guy. Right. Looking at these stats, I just kind of sit here and I'm I'm blown away because I'm like, why are we writing this guy off as as? one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL because he had a bad year playing through injury. Like the year before that, he was, he was fringe top 10. You know, there were games where he looked like a top five quarterback. There were games where he looked like a a 25th best quarterback, but I I just, it's hard for me to write off Baker Mayfield after you see a bigger picture of, of guys who, you know, had a slower start to their careers and then took off when they got paired with, either the right coach, the right team, the right setting, the right offense, or just learned the NFL and suddenly took off. The thing I think that I would take away most for me, at least in this going on both things is the Drew Brees comparison is that first of all, that was very clever on your part, very similar career trajectories at this point. But the thing that I think separates those three in Baker, at least from the public perception at this point is the likability of these guys and the way people want these people to succeed versus Baker. I like Baker personally, but that is, I believe, almost probably more the minority up until at least this Deshaun Watson stuff took place. I think a lot of people were excited to see the cocky, loudmouth Baker Mayfield kind of fall swiftly back down to earth. And now it's what we do as Americans. Now I think a lot of people are almost rooting for that redemption arc. Let's see if Baker Mayfield can go to Carolina in a situation. A lot of people don't think is going to be all that great either. And can he also elevate them the way he was able to elevate Cleveland in that second, third and fourth year there. So that that's my big takeaway. Really appreciate you doing that. though. Like you said, that's the way the tide is going. We're in America land of second chances. People love seeing the underdog story, the redemption story, even though, um, some people, some people here in Ohio still have that hatred of the Baker sticking the flag in the middle of the block at the shoe, right? But then they're then they're all Browns fans and they love and they loved him. Then they hated him because he was playing through injury. That was a double-edged sword. The dude was never going to win that that scenario anyway. Either playing through injury or sitting there, he was gonna he was gonna be belittled. But I find myself kind of skewing back over to be like, okay, he's going to Carolina. He's obviously going to have a way different team, but 
the best that Baker Mayfield plays is when he has that chip on his shoulder. If he's either going to be a walk-on, I can't remember where he was. It he went to walk on at Texas first, transferred Texas to Tech. Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and then he walked on to be at Oklahoma to eventually get to the starter. Then all of a sudden he's the number one pick. Still had some questions, and then he kind of proved them wrong, and then. You know, we know what happened over the past year and a half, two years since then. So I'm kind of open for the for the comeback story. Get a little uh, keep pounding there in Carolina. Go thurs, as they say. Which side note, the dumbest thing to call your team as a short the thurs. That's like oh, go durs Raiders. Go go durs, baby. Speaking of the Raiders, glad you brought that up. Let's get into our next topic here. Sandra Douglas Morgan is set to become the first black female team president in NFL history. Obviously, this uh, was a big deal, and this is very reflective, I feel like, of what the Raiders have done in their past. The only question is, there's a lot of people thinking that this is kind of a disingenuous move, too, to kind of fend off the heat between the last Raiders president talking about a very hostile environment, how women have a really difficult time in Las Vegas, Mark Davis naturally brings in, uh, like I said, Sandra Douglas Morgan, who was also on, I want to say the Nevada board of, or gambling board. So she's a woman that has been in very high pressure stakes in the past. seems like a natural fit for her. And not to mention, she's a babe. So I'm already rooting for her also. I think this is an interesting hire. Uh, it might be slightly disingenuous, but let's be honest, like, in that position, if you hire the right people, like you really, all you have to do is talk to the media. Realistically, if you hire the right people, you're, you're, you know, if she tries to take control of the team and draft herself, which could be the worst decision in the history of all decisions, uh, that'll go very poorly. But I, I just, in that position, I think it's probably slightly disingenuous, but she probably deserves it. Like, I don't know much about her. I, I can't say it was the wrong decision, but it, it just comes down to can she hire the right people in the right spots to make the team operate as efficiently and, and successfully as possible. Does this mean that they're going to open up a sports book inside the Death Star if they haven't already? She's Is she going to be like the leading person to get that? But I, I'm kind of – I'm on the fence about this. I think I can see why it just wouldn't be that genuine. Of course, a little bit of smoke and mirrors with the offseason – or the tumultuous season and offseason you guys have kind of been having. This makes sense. But at the same time, I don't think that we're going to put someone in this position just to be like, cool, we covered that base. Look, we're not racist and, and we're not sexist either. Boom. They, she has to be extremely qualified. But I also like this is going on in sports. We have Condoleezza Rice potentially going to be in the new Broncos, Broncos ownership because the team is for sale. And now we keep keep kind of seeing this, and now we're seeing a trend. So, hey, just like a bad quarterback that we don't know if they're coming in, as long as they win, we don't care. We're going to be happy, and, we're, and that organization and that fan base is going to back you up as long as you've got a lot of Ws in that column. And my last thing I'll say on this, and I'm ready to go on, is that and everybody will do this when they go into these positions, but she said all the right things in that introductory press conference where, hey, I am very aware of what happened this last year. I'm aware of the allegations. I'm not doing this to be a figurehead. I am coming in to make a change. I'm coming in to do my best to be a good reflection of this city and organization. It's obviously everything that was the good thing, what you're supposed to say, but at the same time, saying it and not saying it are two different things. We, we're very accustomed to the NFL 
people should do something or should say something. This offseason is a great representation of that. So I, I'm pretty fired up for it. I'm hoping she does well. In two days, because it is, it is the 13th of July right now, on the 15th, the franchise-tagged players have that day to sign the extension. It is getting close to the training camps, and it's all starting. We got the Hall of Fame game coming up in three weeks, and this is the last month of the year up until February – <laughs> excuse me that there's no football i'm getting choked up just thinking about it that's how excited i am right now but four out of eight players tagged by the march deadline signed extensions you got chris godwin cam robinson david njoku and Devonte adams thanks for throwing that one in there last because you know i wasn't going to read it right up until this point now the players who are still on the tag we got jesse bates for around just under 13 mil with the Bengals. we got orlando brown jr with the kansas city chiefs Mike Gusecki of the Miami Dolphins and Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. Both those guys tight ends, the last two, making just under $11 million. Now, David, who do you think out of those four is going to be the first person signed? Or, I guess I probably should have phrased this a little bit better. In your mind, who is the first, first person that you want to get signed on this? If you're, if you're running the organization. Oh, God. If I'm running the organization – Cincinnati needs to sign Bates because he was the leader of that defense last year, realistically. I mean, you know, in the secondary, without a doubt, but probably overall. I just don't know. If you're Cincinnati, you got to think about long term. You got to think about, uh, you know, you can sign whoever for the next, however much for the next two years. But after that, Joe Burrow is going to be getting paid. $60 $60 million a season or whatever the, the new rate for quarterbacks is. Yep. And I just, you know, paying safeties is not a game that I, I would get into. It's probably like maybe fourth from the bottom of my list of positions that I would, I would pay like running back being the bottom followed by linebackers. <laughs> I just, I don't, if you're Cincinnati, you have to sign them, but like, you know, do you front load that contract? Can you front load that contract? I don't, I think they have a lot of cap, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I think next, I don't know. You could throw the re- the other three teams in that mix. And I'd say Dallas is probably least likely to sign because they're already in cap hell and Dalton Schultz is in a top five tight end. So like, why, why bother at that rate? Like he's not going to get 11 million a season somewhere else. And if he does good riddance, to be honest, um, if we're being honest, maybe like he I, goes to Jacksonville and he's got Christian Kirk's agent. Yeah. I just like, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, you know, it, I, he's just like the lowest priority on this list of if I'm the GM of these teams, Dallas re- extending him lowest priority on my list. Mike Gusecki will probably stay in Miami. I don't know, but I, again, like, I don't really see a necessity for these for any of these teams to sign these players long term, except for Cincinnati to sign Jesse Bates. I'll keep it short and sweet. Jesse Bates, they would love to have him back, obviously, but it's like you said, they they just saw Minka Fitzpatrick too in Pittsburgh make eighteen million dollars a year. And what's going on in Pittsburgh? They have a very very loaded defense with an offense that's going to really struggle to score points this year yet again. And in today's NFL, you're not going to get anywhere. So that one's off the board. I think it's got to be Orlando Brown Jr. The only problem is, is Kansas City is not going to have the money to give him $23 million a year or more, which is right now that Trent Williams has set the bar. And that's going to be the number. 
because Trent Williams was the guy that they were really flirting with last year and they decided to go the Brown route instead. So I think that that's going to be the best one. Maybe you hit it with the tight ends. I think they're both kind of rentals likely. I mean, they're both teams that don't have a ton of space right now. And your boy, David Njoku really kind of set that market too for a guy that hasn't exactly put up the Travis Kelsey numbers yet. So the fact that you have what Njoku, I think making 14 and change, you're not going to have Gusecki back. You're not going to have Dalton Schultz back unless they have a massive year. And I think both teams are kind of expecting to move on. With Njoku, you're at least getting, you at least know you have an athletic tight end that catches like a receiver, blocks really well. And yeah, you paid him a lot, but you run a two tight end offense consistently. So like that kind of makes sense. Dallas and Miami, I'm not 100% sure if they use tight ends as often as the Browns. I know the Browns are a little kind of tight end heavy in comparison to most teams. So for that, I'm ignorant on, but I just can't see, I just can't see either of these two guys getting extensions. And I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if they were making their current tag rate when they get signed to multi-year deals after the season. Orlando Brown, right off the bat, like how it wasn't that long ago that Tampa Bay just dismantled Pat Mahomes, that offensive line. That's got to be a huge priority, especially what you gave up for him last year, just to acquire him and take the, take this risk. If it's not resulting in a Super Bowl, you got to sign this man. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to go with Mike Gusecki because I don't want to just take Wally's answer. It's stupid. I like Mike to uh, you. You can tell that is to his guy right now. Now he is loaded. You got, you got Jalen Waddle. You got Mike Gusecki. You got Tyreek Hill here in this offseason and about six or seven running backs that can start on any any NFL team right now. But I think Mike Gusecki is that main guy to make that offense kind of click a little bit because he is a safety valve for Tua and any young quarterback, rookie quarterback, whatever it may be. But that dude is an absolute beast. Dalton Schultz, yeah, to your point, David, dude had one great year and he just got over 600 yards maybe. I'd have to double check that. I'm not signing him. Even if Amari Cooper's gone and you have so, and you just re-signed Michael Gallup, you got to worry about your offensive line because you just lost Leo Collins and they are just dwindling. Jesse Bates, we're all three on the same page. We're not paying safeties. I'd rather pay I'd, I'd rather pay running back than a safety. That's really all my two cents. You already got it for Orlando Brown, but I think it's it might be it might be too late for Miami to sign him depending on how like the first few few games are going to go if they don't end up having a long term deal. Because, yeah, that tight end number is only going to go up even more, just like any other position in the league. But you got to get them cheap right now. They just drafted Daxton Hill there in Cincinnati, too. They're ready to move on. So, as you guys know, we almost – we had a school – we almost – we actually did. Did a nice little schoolyard pick of who we each thought was our top three, top four quarterbacks going into this year. So we wanted to keep that trend going and start with the wide receivers, the most loaded position, especially with the way that these rookies are able to come in and make an impact immediately. This was really rough. We were talking about it off camera. For some reason, Wally picked the top 20 because he's an absolute moron. I'm surprised you were able to get 20 wide receivers and stick to that, even though I know that we all kind of switched here a little bit. Mount Rushmore style, we're going to do a snake draft. Wally's dumbass made the mistake of asking who wants to go first. You know that I want to go first. The main reason is because I'm taking Devontae Adams right off that board for you. He's been the best receiver in the league the past four years. You can argue even this past year with the way that Cooper Cup produced. Dude gets better each year. He was he was the Green Bay Packer offense because even as a Packers fan, I can barely name you the other receivers that are on the team. 
because it was mostly going to Devontae Adams. And you know when they were in the playoffs, that was the only person Aaron Rodgers was throwing to. If not, if you don't believe me, go check out that San Francisco game, and you'll understand why Green Bay didn't do shit that second half or really the last three quarters of that game. Devontae Adams is a no-brainer until Cooper Cup can consistently put up those miraculous numbers or at least 1,500 yards plus per year, like what like what Devontae is able to do. I'm going to snag him. 5,300 yards, 47 touchdowns just since 2018. He leads both those categories, just for the record. So have fun with him, Wally. Best route runner in the league. Easy number one pick. I don't have much to say. Uh, Derek Carr being a teammate from him in college, sounds like they already have great rapport yet again. I love the pick. It's a pick that proves that stats don't always mean everything. Cooper Cup's unbelievable, but Devontae Adams also was handcuffed by himself last year. He's going to have Darren Wall and Hunter Renfro with him this year too. Like the pick a lot. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think uh, <laughs> there's not a whole lot to say. I I'm I'm with you on on don't read too much into one year stats, which is why when you look at consistency, Devontae Adams is clearly, and I mean clearly, the best receiver in the NFL. And it's and he was doing it without really anything but a deep threat on the other side. If you can call MVS a, a I was going to say if threat, he's. He's morally, he's a wind sprint runner. There's no doubt about it. He runs streaks like nobody business, but uh, yeah, can't go wrong with, with uh, Devontae at number one. So Steven, who's going number two? two? No, you were, t- you're picking the order. Well, well, why should, you go number two? Uh, you know what? I'll let this come out too. I got to announce this. We're going to have the person who comes in third place in these votes decide the draft order. So that's why Steven's picking first this time because he was rounding us out in the, the third and Actually, the quarterback picks. Speaking of, we're still tied on the polls, by the way. I know, it bothered me. I so love it. this you week know, is going to be who decides who has the better teams. <laughs> I didn't vote. I'm going to go vote for myself. You know, I'm, the, I'm just that type of guy. <laughs> All right, well, Steven, who's picking second? It's your we'll call. Go, we'll go with you, Walter. Dave, David offered it up to you like, a, like the gentleman he is. So let's go. Perfect. So this is tough. I know that it. this is basically a flip-flop for me, but I've got to just stick with Cooper Cup. I wanted to go with one of the young studs here, but it's hard to go against a defending Triple Crown winner who's been just getting better year after year. His uncanny ability to read coverages pre-snap and during the play is unbelievable. And I think you can make a real case that Allen Robinson, even with the stat fall-off last year, is going to be the best number two option in an offense with Cooper Cup in his career. Love Robert Woods. OBJ is overrated. This guy last year had 22 more catches than Devontae Adams, who was second in the league, had the Super Bowl winning catch. It's hard to go against this guy right now, especially this is going to be the second year, only the second year with Matt Stafford. The rapport is only going to get better. He's only 29 still. Expect more 14, 15, 1,600-yard years from Cooper Cup for the short-term future. Very happy with my pick. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it. I wouldn't have had him that high at number two, but you know what? You do you. Triple crown effect, I, I get it. I will do me. I appreciate you. Who you got at three? Oh, I went for a consistency with statistics yet again. So three is Stefan Diggs, who remains, you know, last year was like a quiet bottom or, or round out the top five receiver in the NFL Year before that, he had the most receptions in the NFL, popped off with Josh Allen, did amazing things. So Stephon Diggs, my number, my my first pick, number three overall. My second pick is uh, 
This is tough because I'm actually between Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson, but for the sake of seeing two years of Justin Jefferson, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. I had him as a top three guy going into this year. To David's point, I'm not a big one year, like I, like he was saying and what we were agreeing on. Is like I'm One year, I need at least two. All Justin Jefferson's done is had 3,000 yards, lead the receiver since he's came into the league. And even though I took Kirk Cousins, I can still, I can still dog him a little bit. It's Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball in a run-first offense. And with Adam Thielen, who at that time when Justin Jefferson came in was the number one guy, kind of why Stephon Diggs wanted to get out of there because he wasn't getting the ball enough. And he, I just don't really think he liked Kirk Cousins. Dude is cheesy as fuck. And Justin Jefferson, you just insert him in there, bada boom, bada bing, it's like nothing changed. So, yeah, that's that's a great pick. Um, but I will hold uh, I will hold a little hatred towards you because you're taking him away from me, David. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, a couple things. First of all, it's crazy to think that Stefan Diggs leaves Minnesota and there really isn't a drastic fall off. And that's a testament to how good Justin Jefferson is. And a stat I saw earlier, I, I had him right there too. My pick, I'll, I'll tell you, spoil it anyways. It's going to be Jamar Chase. It was tied between those two. But Justin Jefferson, there was no wide receiver in the league last year that had a pro football focus grade above 85 against press coverage. He had a 90.7. Not only was he a little better, he was significantly better than everybody else in the league in that regard. It's a guy that I, I don't know how he's kind of fallen under the radar. And I think you can say the same with Diggs. I think it's the Minnesota market and the fact that that's that NFC North style football. You don't expect to have these guys up there, but they're without a doubt. Great picks here. I think you could have made a case that they both go earlier. My reasoning for Chase is simply – he already was explosive going into last year, but now you have a full off season with not only Joe Burrow, but with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd around you as well. The offense is going to be a spoilment of riches with arguably the most explosive or explosive player in the league. It kind of makes the Penae Sewell and Jamar Chase debate kind of meaningless at this point, because they both have been so much better in the positions that they are. They're perfect for the teams they have. I'm like, that debate, I'm tired of hearing about it. But, I mean, this has got 1,400 uh, yards, 13 touchdowns as a rookie. Had, like, four or five touchdowns of over 50 yards this year. I'm in love with his potential, and I think the Bengals' offense is going to be almost must-watch. If you're watching NFL Red Zone, it's going to be glued to the TV all year. Yeah, I agree. I think Jamar Chase well is – On that Bengals team, and then Jamar Chase on the lines. Are the Bengals going to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Jamar Chase is just that dude, and – Talk about just the development of receivers coming into the league. These last two guys are the perfect example of that. I mean, now the Bengals are going to have a no line. Jamar Chase is actually going to be able to complete routes. Imagine what that offense is going to look like. Great snag, Wally. Yeah, I think I think Jamar Chase is a great pick. Again, I I think he ends up probably being a top three receiver in the NFL. You know, knock on wood, just for the sake of his career, but. Again, I, I the only reason I didn't take him is because I just, you know, there's there's two years of Justin Jefferson being elite. There's one year of Jamar Chase being elite. I'm going to take the guy I've seen multiple years of, and, and that's the only reason I, I took Jefferson over, over Chase. My only, Before we get to Steven, this is what made the receivers hard for me, and I'm sure you guys would agree, is that if you're going strictly on stats, they're going to end up very differently than what we're doing. Because I'm not spoiling picks later, because I'm sure we all have them somewhere in the top 15. You have guys like DK Metcalf who are going to be on an island up in Seattle with either Drew Locke or Geno Smith throwing the ball. But I like don't want to just not take them 
because I'm pandering to people because of the stats. Like these are good receivers that are going to have difficult times. That's, I'm glad that you, you mentioned that though, because uh, Jamar Chase has Joe Burrow throwing the ball and Justin Jefferson has Kirk Cousins and they're not the same. Well, got that, you got that college uh, chemistry that's going into the play too, like your boys over there in Vegas. So I got back-to-back picks. After agreeing with David, all you know, with everything, I'm going to kind of go against his word and, and my word. I'm going to take Debo Samuel. Yes, Debo's been in the league a couple of years, but last year was really that year that he kind of took off. Over 1,400 receiving yards, adding about 365 rushing yards to that. Now, the question mark is obviously the quarterback position, right? He's, he can obviously have the numbers with Jimmy G. When, when you have the best offensive coach in the league, arguably – Getting you the ball, you're going to get the ball, D-Bill Samuel, and it obviously worked. But now you have Trey Lance possibly in the mix. Maybe Jimmy G's going to Seattle. Maybe he's getting traded. He could take the Cleveland Browns off of that because they got rid of Baker. We don't know where Jimmy G's going to go, but I don't know how much I can trust Trey Lance. Nonetheless, I think I can trust him a little bit more than Jimmy G, and I didn't even see Trey Lance play. And if I have, they're all going to be five-yard rushes in from the goal line on a play action. That's all he does over there. Uh, so I'm going to take Debo Samuel. A lot of a lot of uh, question marks with, is he going to come back? Is he going to get traded? Are they going to give him a contract extension? Yeah, you're going to need a guy like this to, to not only compliment George Kittle, but Brandon Ayuk's not that bad either. As long as they, he can keep his head straight and not cause problems outside of the organization, which was kept on hush-hush this year, but he's a little bit of a shithead, you know, missing curfew, think smoking, smoking some weed. I mean, just guys being guys like Zach Wilson. Um, so that's going to be my second pick overall. And then – now I get it right back. Give me my boy, Keenan Allen. You know how much I love my man, Keenan Allen, out there in the AFC West, West for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. But after only playing 38 games for the first four years, he's only missed three games since then. No less than 992 yards every other year. Other than that, it's no less than 100 or 1,100 after his 992. Over the last four years, he's only going to get better with Justin Herbert. They got the steady emergence of Mike Williams kind of helping out with the other side and not having that many eyes on him. And I expect a huge year since Keenan Allen. Also, since 2017, only Devontae, Travis Kelsey, D-Hop, and Tyreek Hill have more yards. And he only has 32 touchdowns with just about, just about 13th and 14th. But watch out for my receiving core because now I have the, the two best route runners in the league on the squad. Let that soak in. What I'll say – what I'll say is that, first of all, Debo Samuel, the only reason that I had him lower on mine is because of the usage this last year and because of the offseason turbulence. I don't know how that's really going to affect the locker room or anything like that, how he's going to be used. So it makes me a little worried about whether or not they're going to try to almost cater to him and keep him strictly on the outside and not let him be the game changer that he was last year. Credit to you, though, most yards per catch in the league and most yards after catch in the league as well. And then you go to Keenan Allen. The only thing I'd say, because you're right, he's been such a model of consistency these years. With Mike Williams, he's going to keep having those chances. But I think Mike Williams might have a statistically better year than Keenan Allen. We saw him kind of blow up last year in a way, again, he is that deep threat. With Keenan Allen underneath, he can be a game record, too. So I like both the picks. I don't know if I would have made them, but I think they're solid receivers here. I, I'm not high on Debo Samuel just for the fact that I think his usage is so high 
I think he's great. I think he's an amazing athlete. I think he would be a stud on any team with an elite quarterback, like an absolute stud. I just don't know if he can repeat what he did last year without incredibly high usage yet again, which he doesn't even want. So I, I just, you know, I, I think it's great. I think those are two great picks. I just, I don't think I would have stayed away from Debo in my own picks. And the one thing that I'm just thinking of now is the guy who is giving them and creating that space and putting the ball in his hands is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. But still, you got Kyle Shanahan. You know he's going to groom someone. But, yeah, you the usage is the biggest question mark. But does that mean if you're not giving them the balls as much in the backfield, that's going to equate to more receptions or just more targets in general from whoever, whatever quarterback is playing? That I'm not too sure of. And if that's Trey Lance you gotta is look going, Lance. Yeah, you just said it. You got to look for Lance. Yeah, you got you got Lance, and also also what I just said. What is the number number one target that rookie or young quarterbacks like going to the tight end? And you got a pretty damn good one there in San Fran. So I might be walking my pat my pick back just a tad bit, but fucking I'm out here, baby, Niner Nation. <laughs> and I'm amazed because this would make it uh, somewhere around eight or nine in the picks. Tyreek Hill's still available, so I'm gonna swoop him up right here. And this is an interesting thing for me because. I think if you wanted to go how he can affect the game beyond what he just does himself, you could have made a case that he was number one on this board. What he did in Kansas city for years was he basically broke teams where teams would overcommit to him, have a safety on his side of the field. You saw Travis Kelsey put up some of the best tight end seasons of all time. Now, all of a sudden the biggest question mark is he's going down to Miami. He's going to have two attack of Iloa thrown in the ball Lucky for him, he does have weapons all around him. So it could happen. It's just, can Tua drive the Ferrari? I don't know. But I'm still going to take Tyreek Hill here. I mean, this guy last year was had his lowest average route depth of 11.1 yards since his rookie year. And that usually doesn't sound like a good thing when you bring it down. But he's just been becoming more of a well-rounded wide receiver. He's not just your vertical threat anymore. He's a guy that can run underneath. He's a guy that can actually run some routes. I think that Tyreek Hill has the capability to make Miami a game wrecker. It's just a matter of what Tua does. Yeah, I uh, I don't disagree. Tyreek Hill is a great pick. I don't know. I got nothing that's else good. to say. That's, that's, that's it. Good. I think it's a great pick. There's Speechless. there's only like two or three guys left that that you really that you really want this late. And like want above everyone else. Um, but I think it's a great pick. Tyreek didn't even make honestly didn't even like put in my top 10. Like I'm, I'm a big believer. I think that offense is going to be good. It's strictly it's, it's can you trust Tua? And I've been backing up Tua and what, what they're going to be able to do. I'm, Tyreek's just going to be essentially Debo Samuel on steroids stat line wise. I think going into this year. But I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket strictly because I know of what Kansas City's offense is looking like with him. I don't know what Miami's offense is going to look like with him, even though I'm, I've been gassing him up this whole offseason. I think with that, I'm up on the board, right? My last two picks. I got lost in the snake. I literally was sinking there. This is tough. Three guys, two picks. I think my next pick is actually going to be DeAndre Hopkins. I think when healthy, when healthy, he's an absolute stud. I mean, his catch percentage, his hands are probably – the best in the NFL and he's got, you know, 72% plus catch percentage His he has elite stats when he's on the field. I, I don't really have much else to say with him. I, I think 
DeAndre Hopkins is my uh, good third pick. But my fourth pick, this is tough. I, I think I'm going to go it. Chris Godwin. I think I'm going to go Chris Godwin. And and the thing that puts him above the other, the other guys on my list is catch percentage. 78% catch percentage last year. God, I had the stat in front of me, and now I don't. I, I forget what it was the year before that. But, again, he's in the high 70s for catch percentage, which means – Every time Tom Brady looks his direction or nearly eight out of 10 times, seven out of 10 times, he's catching the ball, which is above like that's above the average for elite receivers. Elite receivers are in like the mid 60s in the 70s. You're in you're in ungodly ability to catch territory and especially at that volume, because there are some guys out there with 75 percent. Like I think Rondell Moore had like a 78 percent catch percentage but he's not getting half the volume that chris godwin's getting in terms and he's of getting target. jet sweeps or yeah. those little touch many, passes yeah. yep. boom i agree wally uh, God, one thing with, with deandre hopkins i love the i love the pick but like you said he's amazing when health with healthy i mean look at his list of quarterbacks and what the numbers he was able to put up my only thing is obviously coming off his worst year i think he had the lowest in receptions touchdowns targets everything because he only was able to play 10 out of the 17 games. And now, not only that, now we're not even going to give him the first six games of this year for that. So his stats are even going to take a bigger hit. So spin zone though, my spin zone was that you're going to be getting a very fresh Deandre Hopkins against defensive backs and defensive players that have been playing football now for a month and a half going into the year. It could be, the shot in the arm, like the reversal of what happened last year with Arizona, where they started fast and fell off. Maybe this year they start slow, get DeAndre Hopkins back, the shot in the arm. Maybe they jump back. So I I was pissed. David saw me. I motherfuckered him when I he took the pick because he was my number five guy. I really <laughs> do think that we're sleeping on one of the best receivers of all time, talent-wise. And yes. it's just a shame that – I know Kyler Murray's a, a good quarterback. But I want to see him in like, like a, a, a super offense almost because what he could do, kind of like what Randy Moss did back in 07 with the Patriots, when you saw that elite elite finally get that elite quarterback throwing him the ball too, special things happen. I, it, I have got nothing else to say on that. He's got, he's got that age. For some reason, he's getting that AJ Green treatment, which is I'm a quiet guy who just puts up elite statistics with bad quarterbacks. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, at least AJ Green had one for a you know plethora of years. He just had he had fucking Tom Savage thrown to him for eight games. That's year. true. That Brock Osweiler and God knows who I don't even I don't even think Houston Texans fans know the other quarterbacks that they had. The Brockett shit, baby. Brock Osweiler, Browns legend. <laughs> Eighteen million dollars for a second round pick is basically <laughs> what you got. That's crazy. But the other thing too is that's it's like a Terry McLaurin situation, which we were talking about. With Washington and the quarterbacks, if you dug through the DeAndre Hopkins quarterback list, you'd throw up. You'd be sick to your stomach. All right, bring us home, David. Who's your final pick? He just that did was, two. What I he, just did two. I, thought, I did Hopkins and Godwin, and now it's Wally. Oh, to, Sorry, the, the Godwin was so far-fetched out of my mind. I didn't even <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I was going to say, we're really getting lost in a snake. I am really torn on my last pick. I'll even tell you the, the person – or two people I'm looking at here, and it is Terry McLaurin, and it's Mike Evans. I wanted to put A.J. Brown. I just couldn't do it. But anyways, 
I'm going to actually go with Mike Evans, and I'll tell you why. He's been in the league now eight years. He's 28. He's had 8,000-yard seasons. He is so consistent. And if Godwin is back 100% early in the year, it'll only help him go for number nine. I mean, he's been a great in his two postseasons with Tom Brady as well. Uh, assuming this is Tom Brady's last year, it's going to only make that offense, I feel like, more urgent and more desperate to, to succeed and do well. I think that, well, last year too, he was second most uh, touchdowns in the league, even though he did drop in yards a little bit. And with Gronk retiring, he's going to be even heavily or more heavily used in the red zone. So I think Mike Evans is one of those forgotten wide receivers that had it not been him playing in Tampa Bay for the first six years without Tom Brady, we'd be talking about him a lot more too. Don't dog Jameis Winston now. No, oh, come on. Come on, 30-30 He couldn't even see for the first six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, squint. y'all just wait. Mike Thomas and uh, Alave got something cooking up there in, in New Orleans. Oh boy, let's. I yeah. love them. I love the Mike Evans pick, but I had I had two guys, and you would be you'd throw up when you hear the two guys I had above Mike Evans and and Scary Terry there. Uh, okay, let's hear them. Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore. We'll come back oh to that after Stephen has his last pick because yeah. I okay. I almost want to talk about some honorable mentions for a minute. Oh yeah, Stephen, give oh, us yeah. the last. We're gonna, we're gonna have to talk roasted. about that one. We're going to have to talk about that one, David. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take uh scary Terry. It's going to be between him or, or the aforementioned AJ Brown here from Wally, but yeah, this generation's Deandre Hopkins. He, you know, maybe not talent wise all the way there, eight quarterbacks, his first three years. And I know Wally, me and Wally were able to list them. All, all three of us were able to list them off kind of, you know, sporadically, but I don't think I even can remember them right now, but he's got the quarterback carousel. He's had at least 900 yards, 900 yards his rookie year. 1,000-plus each of those other years, 3,100 yards, only 16 touchdowns, which as a guy at his caliber, you're expecting a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's 5.3333 continuous, you like that quick math, of touchdowns that he's averaging per year. So I had him ninth on my list. I think that he can go up higher and potentially be a fifth, sixth, like a fringe top five wide receiver because he's going to have, can't believe I'm saying this, his best quarterback of his career playing for the Washington Football team. I'm never calling him that name. My name is stupid. And Carson Wentz, which I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be backing Carson Wentz up as much as I am right now. But Scary Terry is the man. And you cannot forget that he had the catch of the year week one. If you haven't seen the catch, please go look it up because it was miraculous. Scary Terry, steal. I'm going to win this poll. That's all I got to say. You think you're going to win this poll? You're going to be down in the 15% again. I hope you're ready. Well, well, again, we were tied. No, no, you were in 15% or whatever. You, David and I were tied at 43. At 14% in that oh, that's, well, that's because Wally and I are tied people. at like 43%, I think, <laughs> or something like that. Well, I'm not tied, so that's lit. I hope you like picking uh, draft orders, Steven. You're going to get good at it. <laughs> no, this is, this is the one I win. This is my comeback story. I told you, the land of second chances. All right, well, hey, I do love that pick. I think that's great value for – for Terry McLaurin in the fourth round, but other honorable mentions. I'm just going to spitfire a few names. You mentioned DJ Moore. I love that. DJ Moore is a guy that is a lot like these undercover DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, maybe a step down talent wise where no one's throwing the ball. He's got PJ Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, thousand yard receiver still. And now all of a sudden you have a gunslinger and Baker. We talked about the pros and cons of that. 
It's going to have a lot of pros if you're a wide receiver, though, and he's going to get a ton more targets. I like that. Other two names I wanted to throw out there. I mentioned earlier DK Metcalf. He's stuck in an island up there. He's going to have a bad statistical year, not his fault. And T. Higgins, who is going to be a superstar in his own right, playing opposite Jamar Chase. I think that the Bengals offense, I can't glow enough about it because it's fun to watch. You don't have to like them, but they are fun to watch right now. My honorable mentions uh, are, are Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore as well. Uh, so, so let me give you some background why. 2020, Tyler Lockett, top 10 in receptions, catch percentage, touchdowns, first downs, receptions per game. So five statistical categories, top 10, still would be the last name off of everyone's list on a top 10 receiver draft, right? Then you have DJ Moore, 2020, top 10 in yards, yards per reception, yards per game, and lack of fumbles. He had zero fumbles in 2020, which is, you know, most receivers have one, two, maybe three is, is really bad, but but most receivers have about one, one where they lose it and, and it is what it is. Uh, DJ Moore had zero and was top 10 in those categories. In 2021, they both really continued with what they're good at. Top 10 for Tyler Lockett was yards, yards per target, yards per game. He was top 10 in, in, in fumbles, not giving up. DJ Moore was top 10 in, in targets, was top 10 in yards, was top 10 in yards per target. Uh, or no, sorry, was top 10 in first downs. And again, he has he has a he wasn't top 10 in, in yards per reception, but he's up there. He's close, right? So he's he's getting downfield with bad quarterback play behind him. And I, I just I think those two are pretty slept on statistically. And I think most I think most analytical teams, so like your Browns front office or or any of the teams that are really adopting that that analytic strategy, I think would absolutely adore having those two receivers over most anyone else in the NFL. Like Wally said, to follow up the quarterback here. So that seems to be the theme of these wide receivers. You know, you're a good receiver yeah. if you can just put up these numbers when Bridgewater, Darnold, uh, Scam Newton, uh, PJ Walker are kind of like your, your guys throwing you the ball here a little bit. But I liked, I love Tyler Lockett. I had him back-to-back years in my fantasy. Dude is, well, he's either putting up 30, he's putting up two, but that's neither here nor there. I would like to credit Russell Wilson with a lot of that. Now, I know this is a anti-Russell Wilson podcast from Wally's room, but, I mean, the loft and the trajectory that he was able to get the ball into Tyler Lockett, but Tyler Lockett was Tony Totap for a while, just living in Antonio Brown's shadow when that was when that was going on, and he was – when A.B. was at his peak – Tyler Lockett's right there with him, and he is – he's a grown man. Well, he's a little guy, but he's a grown-ass man. He can run those routes. He can burn you. He can he can do the toe drag. He can make the impossible catches. The scary Terry catch that, or catch that I referenced here, it feels like every week, damn near every quarter, Tyler Lockett is making a catch like that. And the dude is one of the most disrespected wide receivers in the league. Now, again, I think that you're – it's an obvious downgrade – going to drew lock i don't think the ball is going to get to him quite like it would with russ but tyler lockett is a problem i still think that he's gonna he's gonna shine there i still think he's gonna shine better than dk metcalf to be honest with you i'm sure if you had an extra receiver you would have taken alan lazard though oh yeah like i said better uh better career than henry ruggs and i'll never live that you'll never live that down 
Credit to me for not making a terrible Henry Ruggs joke earlier in episode two. I'll tell you guys after the show. But yeah, that's- man, that was almost a really, that was almost a bad. That was that was going to be a car wreck if you made if you made that reference. Trust me. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into perfectly now. Our final segment. We'll hurry it up. David, this is your first time doing it. Nine one one rapid fire. We take these topics, ones we don't want to dive too far into, have quick reactions to. First one, I'm going to throw it to you first, Stephen. Your guy, Aaron Rodgers, has got a new tattoo, and what the hell is it? I don't know, but I'm glad that 38-year-old man's getting this tattoo because it looks like something I'd get when I was 18, and I have a couple of bad tattoos to prove that I had $60 when I was 18 one time. Uh, The best tweet I've ever seen, uh, tattoo artist goes to Aaron Rodgers. What would you like? Aaron Rodgers, have you ever heard Kyrie Irving speak? Tattoo artist, I got you covered, fam. And this is the result. It is stupid, it is ugly. It's like it's like Kylie, Kylie, Kyrie's words had a baby with Narnia, and they're like, here's a tattoo. Also Illuminati eye. It's fucking horrible. MVP third year in a row with it, though. Yeah, it sucks. And I wanted, I, I just need to, I need help understanding how two of the most talented players of all time in Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers are complete and utter dipshits. Like, I I just, like, I need to, un, I, I need to understand, like, Aaron Rodgers, maybe he got hit in the head too many times in, in the NFL, high school, college, whatever. Got but hit Kyrie, in the head I, too I, many times by Shaleen like, Woodley. These guys, I yes. just don't understand. I, I just don't understand. Because it's truly two of the most skillful, talented players in their respective league history and they're both complete and utter dipshits and that's just the way of the road like i don't i don't understand it i'm just happy that aaron Rodgers isn't on the flat earth train that's all i'm really gripping yes. on to right hey, now we'll get there he'll get there give it time he will I'm, i mean yes i get it sick tattoo we've all been on a peyote trip to see what our destiny is going to be in the future aaron <laughs> good job man Justin Houston re-signs with Baltimore on a one-year deal. He's 33 years old, played 15 games with the team last year, tallied four and a half sacks, 34 combined tackles. So he's fallen off a little bit. But that defense still looks pretty solid now. If they can figure some things out, they have a lot of youth there. What were your guys' thoughts when he signed there, or re-signed there, I should say? He's a long way off from that 22-sack or 20-sack season, and he just doesn't scare me. Last season, I thought he scared me. And then he played, and I was like, okay, he's just another defensive end that you got to worry about or, or whatever he's playing now, outside linebacker, really defensive end. But uh, I, I'm still scared about the Baltimore defense. The The rookies they got in the draft still haunt me, still haunt me. Just let the best defensive players sit in their lap all draft long. It's going to be a different scare that you're going to feel, David, because it's not, you'll see every now and again, you'll see that play like shit. There's Justin Houston, but it's the impact that he's making to get the other rookies and the other playmakers a chance to get a free, you know, free hit on the quarterback or maybe being able to bust up the middle to, to mess up our run play, whatever it may be. He's now able to do that with just a little twinkle of a sack here and there, obviously with only the four and a half. And that's not including the, the guys are going to get back healthy in the secondary as well. It's only going to help them. It, it it feels like every single week the Ravens will come up and their defense will come up. And I'm saying I don't understand how they can consistently be this scary of a defense with a different cast every single year, it feels like. So this is going to be one of their 
more consistent years of having those same players on the field. Now you're going to get them back healthy. This team's going to be equally as scary, but even a 33-year-old Justin Houston's better than a lot of the guys that are maybe on the free market or getting overpaid from, from other teams. Most missed games last year in 20 years. You mentioned, David, rookies that they got. Kyle Hamilton might be the best player in this last draft. Falls all the way down to them. You follow that up with David Ajabu, who is going to be a late first-round pick before his own injury. And then Travis Jones. Browns fans wanted Travis Jones. And then you follow that up with another cornerback. Their secondary does get healthier. AFC North really caught a break last year with the defense of the Ravens. It's going to be back to normal now. But staying in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is voicing his displeasure over contract negotiations on IG. Has put a story out there. His own grill, I need money. He's not happy. He's basically, I think he is. I'm not saying basically. I think he is his own agent handling the negotiations right now. And it's they his have mom. gone nowhere. It's his mom, it's even his, better. It's his mom who handles it. So I love keeping him in the family. But I don't want to take too much of David's, David's thunder right here. You can get paid quarterback money when you can play quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. And frankly, I bet you his mom's seeing Pat Mahomes' contract and going like, yep, that's the starting point. And it's like, no, it's not. Let's start at the record-setting running back contract, and, and maybe we can go up from there. So, like, $25 million a year, maybe. Like, let's, let's start there. You know, l- let's give him the Todd Gurley contract, and, and maybe we can walk up a couple million from there. Yep. Well, the way they're restructuring contracts nowadays or just signing extensions or just signing contracts is – um, we we're talking about front loading it, but there's a lot of there's a lot of options in those say it's a five year deal. There's an option potentially after the third, fourth, and fifth from both ways if maybe the quarterback wants to get out. Sorry, if the running back wants to get out, or if the if the organization just wants to move on completely from from said player. So I think we can see it front loaded, maybe a lot of incentive based. But if you're Baltimore, you're gonna take that risk and front load it just so at at the end of the day, if it does fail, you're not going to be in that much of debt and in, in dead space or dead cap money if you do end up being able to cut them, let go, void the contract, whatever it may be. Ravens fans need to be hopeful that they can't get a deal done and he has an off here. That's what they need to hope for. They're talking now. Hey, maybe they can get a wide receiver there. I don't know, just for shits and gigs. Bring Joe yeah, Flacco back. Something? Bring Joe Flacco back. Heinz Field is dead. Akersher Field is in. Hines is jumping off the sinking ship in Pittsburgh and Michigan financial tech company takes over the naming rights. I'm just personally happy. It's not Hunt's ketchup. Cause I don't think Pittsburgh would ever recover from that, but I get so pissed off when I see name changes like this, like Miller park went the family insurance financial or whatever it is. It's Heinz field forever. No one is going to call it Acrisure field. Am I wrong? I don't know because I thought the same thing about the Jake and Cleveland with the Indians or, or guardians. Uh, but you know, they're going to have to come up with a nickname, a nickname. Cause I don't even know how to legitimately pronounce that. Like, is it really Akersher? Akersher? I have no idea. I, I yeah, just I, I sounded no it out. Like Heinz is Heinz is tradition. Like I, I'm, I don't know a Pittsburgh Steelers without Heinz field. So like, I, you know, I, this is just weird. Like it's again, it's like when, the Jake went to progressive field and like, I hated it, but now it's progressive field. And we've, you know, we remember the Jake, but like, it's still progressive field. It's it's probably going to take five years, but uh, you know, 
I still don't even know how to pronounce the name, so I, I can't say I'm on board. Yeah, and as a, as a kid who went to Cleveland a lot growing up because um, mom's family is there, Jacobs Field, right? That was the number one thing. And we actually saw this this past year where the Staples Center for the L.A. Lakers and where the Clippers play got changed to like crypto arena or something that something that was really stupid. Yeah, I don't like this. You know, something that is – I would throw it up there. That's like – that's borderline like Lambeau Field changing their name. This is a – historic field for an historic football team my ass so you just change your name and it's historic it's 20 years old we're calling you're comparing it to lambeau field when i see it i think of ketchup and i want french fries in my mouth I, well, that's fair at that exact moment i do want to say i hope that accusure whatever the fuck they are i'm gonna have to look up a google translation whatever this field is i hope that they keep homage to the old you know, the old stadium name and keep the ketchup bottles near the school. Not happening. They're taking them down. Oh, is that already official? Or, or did you see it kind of starting in the works or? Like all the rumblings over here is that they've got to figure out who's paying for it, how they're going to do it, but they're taking the ketchup bottles down. Why didn't Yingling get in there? See, I wanted it to be anything out here. It could have been UPMC. It could have been another PNC, Yingling. For me, I don't care. It just wasn't going to happen. I think, a lot of these, I think a lot of these companies are getting out of the sponsorship game because <laughs> to your point about Staples, like Crypto.com Arena or whatever the whatever the hell that name is, like what I don't even know. I, I, for, I honestly forgot and still would have said Staples if you didn't bring it up. So, like, I think some of these companies are just getting out of it because it's a waste of their – you know, hundred million dollars over five years uh, because their business isn't growing because they named a field. Like, I think they're thinking it's a waste. Whereas, like, I didn't even know this company existed. I didn't know Crypto.com or whatever the hell that shit is existed before they named the stadium. So, I think we're getting out of like the old giants in naming and getting into the Gen Z weird companies that were started within the last ten years into naming rights. You nailed it right there because they're not going to be ever these big established brands ever again because they don't need it. I'm not walking through Giant Eagle and saying, oh, I wonder if I should have Hunts or Heinz. Oh, they have Heinz Fields. So I'm going to have Heinz. No, it's now it's for Acrisure or however you say it because guess what? We're talking about it and we never would have been talking about it before. It's not the same for Staples. It's not the same for Heinz, Miller, all these others. It's for these newer starting to progress companies to get their name out there, I think, but it's a shame. It's, it's all you could say. It's not great. I just don't but, mind it. I'm a, I'm a real big insurance lover. So anytime you can see an insurance thing. Oh, of course you're going to say it, Mr. Lower.com field there in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, well, we're not insurance for mortgage. That's different. Okay. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. The Texans teased a new alternate helmet the other day that they will be wearing this year. All reds. They look sweet. What do you guys think about them? Bring them back, baby. We saw the Falcons almost doing kind of a similar thing this year, bringing back their older um, all reds with the with the red helmet and the and the black helmet. But I think it looks sharp. At least they're going to look good while they're playing shitty and getting beat because Lovey Smith's your head coach and you just don't really have any players. But Brandon Cooks, you're going to look fly having another thousand yard season to only have four wins. I, I think they look sick. I don't, I don't love, see, here's the thing. I don't, I love accent colors like this and accent helmets like this. I don't love the thought of all reds. Like I, I, I think the all colors look bad. Agreed. So like if they wore these with the black, with black jerseys or their whites, I think this looks amazing. But if they wore this with like an alternative red Jersey, I would yak. Like I, I don't want to see all the same color on the field. 
the closest it could get would be red pants, white jersey, red helmet. That's a closest yeah. I think you can get. That full navy color rush, as long as they have that, it's gonna oh, look that, sharp. That with these helmets though would look sick too. Like all like all dark color with these helmets would look nasty. I will say this that tomorrow at 10 a.m. So you guys have probably already seen this by the time you guys are listening to it. The Bengals have an announcement on Twitter at 10 a.m. and everybody is believing it is their helmet reveal. And if that is the case, if it is not all white, I will riot. I will. I hope they shift a shade of color like the Browns did seven years ago, or whatever <laughs> it was. We have I'm a mango orange you. now, as opposed yeah. to the, <laughs> the orange slice orange. That was the biggest letdown in the history of letdowns. I thought we were getting a legitimate jersey change, and instead we got a shade of color change. <laughs> he was slightly different. <laughs> I know. I know. I've already said it, but can you imagine being colorblind? Someone's like, "All right, what's the big deal? It's just a lighter shade of gray." Like I don't understand. <laughs> it all looks the same to me. I just know that with all these helmets getting changed, it gets me so excited. I feel like such a loser, but I love uniforms. I can I can talk about uniforms all day. Well, for a while it seemed like they stayed they stayed put with just kind of that retro look, and then no one ever uses it anymore. Maybe this is going to be that retro look here in 20, 30, 40 years. But now you kind of see them bringing that old school look too. And obviously Houston is not old school. They they've barely been in the league what not even twenty five years. I I think damn near barely twenty. But I'm liking the look. You know, you got to feel good, play good, good luck in that division. Um, you're still gonna be shitty, but you're gonna look sharp, and that's gonna that's gonna attract people just on how good they look. For unfortunately, that's in a world we live in. With that, that is gonna bring us to an end of our David inaugural episode. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Loss of Down, and our Twitter down underscore loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by tabbies.com as well as Abby Turner Creative at abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, what are the parting words that you have for the fans? First of all, so excited to have David on. It's going to be a lot of fun with three of us. It's going to, I think, allow us to be a lot more creative and do a lot more things. So it's going to be exciting. Keep an eye out. We're going to be talking about potential schedule reveal here before too long. But otherwise, my only final thought is last week we lost another legend in in Hollywood, in James Caan. I'm a giant mob movie kind of guy. A lot of people would know him more actually from Elf, but I love the man in Godfather, even his cameos in Godfather 2, Sonny. I'm going to miss that, and every time now I get to watch those movies, it's going to hurt a little bit more. But had to give a little shout-out to James Caan. We'll be missing him. David, send us home, baby. What do you got? Uh, Adding on to that, also R.I.P., Polly from uh, the Sopranos. Pinky Blinders? Oh, that Polly. See, I've got the other Polly. I, I mistake. My bad. Right. Hand Is up. It, now you're making, now you're questioning. No, and now I'm, no, I Aunt can't remember Polly. his name. Well, I was going to say Aunt Polly died in Peaky Blinders in real life. I thought that's oh, what you God, meant. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Everyone good is dying. It's yeah. Tony Sirico. Tony Sirico died. Tony and, Sirico. And sorry, I had to Google that while we were here because I couldn't remember his actual name. But R.I.P. By the way, good shit. Yeah, R.I.P. to him because we're losing great actors and it's making me really sad. But that's all I got. I appreciate uh, you guys uh, bringing me on here, and and I can't wait for the future. And to wrap it up, unfortunately, why are we having the mobsters dying? We just had Ray Liotta die on top of the two or three guys that we just had to list. And if you guys haven't seen Goodfellas, you haven't seen Godfather or Elf, you guys need to go watch that. As well as Sopranos, even though I only made it through halfway through season four. But now I'm entitled to once I'm done watching The Wire. Until next week, he is David. He is Wally. I am Steve. We're Loss of Down.
And Lamar Jackson's never going to be a quarterback. He was an interior designer. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been holding that one for? You're not going to believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. The guy was an interior decoration.